0: a John Maxwell Certified Leadership Coach. Welcome to Life, Love, and Leadership, where we discuss everything pertaining to life, love, and leadership. Let's get started.
1: Like, no doctor's ever done that to me before. What are you doing? Why are you tapping here? What are you doing this? And, you know, like, nobody's ever done that before. Like, this is this is medical school 101. This is, you know, you learn in the first year how to do a physical exam, and you know, people just, a lot of doctors, they aren't doing that. Hello and welcome
0: to Life, Love, and Leadership. I'm Tom Ray, and and I'm so excited today uh, because joining me on the line is Dr. Cardelio. Uh, He is uh, getting ready to launch something uh, really great here in the next week or so, and uh, but we'll get him into more of that in just a little bit. But before I start the show, I like to always kick off with an attitude of gratitude, and today I'm thankful for second, third, and fourth chances. I'm thankful for opportunities to be able to do it again, to uh, start again for new beginnings. And that just because we make a mistake doesn't mean that that has to define the rest of our life, that there is a new beginning, a fresh start, and another opportunity. And joining with me, Dr. Tony Hardelio. Uh, he's here today. And uh Doctor, can you tell us what you're thankful for today?
1: Well, I'm thankful to be here with you, Tom. And uh, as I said, I've had an amazing journey over the last year. Um, it's really been driven by a lot of prayer and direction. And I'm thankful that God has guided me to this point where I'm at. And uh, uh, much blessings upon my family uh, and this opportunity to hopefully connect more time with my family. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity. and and that's what I'm most thankful for today.
0: Great. All right. Well, that's wonderful. And uh, and it's also inspiring. And, and I think a lot of people resonate with that today. Uh, so I'm, I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Well, I, I got to hear part of your story,
1: kind of the kickoff to what's about to come. Yeah, uh, we had a couple of uh, informational sessions uh, okay. that we held at a banquet center uh, just to invite avoid- community and some of my existing patients in my practice just to find out more about the practice that I'm um, starting up with the uh, with the group SALTA that I'm uh, SALTA direct primary care um, that I'm joining uh, so the direct primary care is not a new type of practice but it's um, it's new to the Shelby Township area um, more and more doctors are sort of trying to get into this to have a better practice life uh, and practice medicine a little bit more on their terms instead of of hospitals and insurance companies. Um, and uh, so that was uh, um, one of the events that we had. It was a two-hour question and answer uh, at a nice little facility there in Shelby Township. Shelby Gardens, the uh, staff and everything was wonderful there. I walked in the first day, I was like, oh, this is like my wedding reception. This is really cool. <laughs> yeah, was very fancy. And But uh, yeah, it was a very good informational session, and it really kind of helped to get the message of what. The direct primary care
0: is out there to the community, so it was very nice. Yeah, very nice, and I was connected to it through uh, a mutual uh, person that we know, Kimberly Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the one that uh, actually uh, connected with me. I, I met her at a, at a networking event. And uh she invited me to come out to be a part of it and, and I got to hear some of your story and was really inspired by it and, and uh thought that this would be a great platform for you to share your story, your journey, your your dream, if you will, of, of becoming a doctor and as well as uh what is coming with the direct care as you mentioned just a moment ago. So um, why don't you give us some background story to um, you becoming a doctor or why, why you even went in that direction in your life?
1: Well, I think even from when I was younger, I was, you know, kind of had um, the idea that I wanted to be a doctor. I was very interested in the human body anatomy and uh, memorize all the names of the bones. When I was in second grade, I remember that and having you know, competitions in our biology class. My father is a doctor. My uncle is a doctor. You know, my father's a dermatologist. My uncle is an ophthalmologist. My sister's gone in medicine, is in dermatology with my father. So, a little bit of background and history there. So, you know, it was something I was familiar with, but it really kind of resonated with me. I just, you know, really, you know, especially. Um, so, I went to osteopathic uh, medicine. So, uh, that has a lot of integrated hands-on we learn all the different techniques for doing uh manipulation for spine joints and uh, extremities um and i love that aspect of you know holistic healing um so that was something that really uh, kind of resonated with me because i saw my father do some of those adjustments every now and then on family members and i was like i was just always fascinated by that it was just really interesting um and then just as i kept on going through you know junior high and high school, it's like, I always had aptitude for the sciences, and and it just made sense for me to go ahead and do that, and that's, you know, um, where I ended up uh, going to Chicago Osteopathic Medicine, and then coming back, finishing my training here, um, and then uh, I've always been in practice in Shelby Township somewhere, um, so our office has kind of moved locations as we've grown and joined with the, um, at first I was just private on my own with a partner, and then he joined with st. Joe's which soon became Henry Ford and I've been with Henry Ford ever since so that's been I you know, just uh, when I when I resigned my last day at uh, Henry Ford was last week and it uh, had been 16 years and six months that I've been with the organization so um, it was a long journey and this was like you know 51 years old and I'm starting all over again so that's
0: wonderful uh, so what you what you currently do, you do a chiropractic care as well as general medicine, or
1: what would you say? Yeah, so it's kind of a blend. So osteopathic medicine has, um, you know, osteopathic profession was created and founded in 1874, so it's been around for a long time. Uh, so, uh, so they do integrate more holistic sort of thoughts and ideas. Uh, they're philosophy has always been mind, body, spirit and trying to integrate those three together, which, you know, kind of falls into, you know, both, you know, how I see things and, you know, and, and how I you know, interpret my faith now and, and try to include that into um, uh, my practice style and, and my life, because you really can't separate the, the three. Um, if you ignore one, you're sometimes missing the diagnosis and you're missing the boat um so uh that really kind of drew and called me that uh that style profession so all osteopathic physicians do learn from day one how to do spinal manipulation and uh you know full body manipulation i mean they have techniques that you can you know manipulate somebody's pinky finger if it's uh, out of joint or uh, a line which is a little bit different than chiropractic chiropractic generally tends to focus more just on the spinal issues Uh, although i do know some chiropractors who've done extra seminars and training and learn some other, you know, of the extremity manipulation uh, techniques and things like that. Um, so they're definitely out there. But uh, but then the osteopathic profession has the opportunity to then integrate a lot of the traditional medicine. So we do all the same training as MDs do. We do all the, it's still a four-year program. We do all the sciences and we rotate through the hospitals and the specialties and do all that training as well as, you know, integrating the manipulation into your uh, practice. Um, Now, I would say that a lot of osteopathic physicians do not do uh, the manipulation, uh, especially, you know, when you get to specialties, you know, you have a neurosurgeon who's probably not going to do a lot of, you know, know, spinal manipulation, but focusing more on surgery and taking care of other things. But uh, usually that falls into family practice or primary care. Um, who will will do the spinal manipulation. Uh, But I can probably count them, my two hands, how many people I know that do it regularly in their practice. So I I don't want to say it's a dying art, but it's it's something that I think a lot of people don't um, see the benefit of how it integrates into. Um, So that's one thing that I, when I did my training, I had some great doctors that I worked with, that that's all they do is they you know they give up their traditional practices and all they do is the manipulation. Um, so I got to train with them and see how they integrate that and and even doing inpatient work on uh, patients who have had surgery and who have pneumonia or respiratory illnesses and how you can do manipulation on the chest and the ribs and things like that to ease their breathing and 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 help them heal a lot better and faster than just the traditional medicine work. So, and there's been some great examples and, um, you know, in osteopathic medicine also the manipulation aspect of things is very heavily researched. So, I mean, they have every single college of osteopathic medicine has a research arm and program where they actually do studies and they have fellows and, um, and they publish and they document all the benefits and, and what happens when, you know, you integrate the uh, manipulation into your, your practice. Uh, um, it's very effective. It's very powerful. And um, I have even personally many examples of patients who had, you know, probably thousands of dollars of workups for um, chest pain and, you know, or having a heart attack. Is that a heart issue? Um, and it ended up being, a, you know, I just had to manipulate the rib, get it right into the back position and their pain's gone instantly. And so, uh, you know, a lot of examples like that, it's not always that simple, obviously, but you know, there's a great opportunity for that style of medicine to, you know, in the osteopathic profession to to do that.
0: Awesome. Um, have you ever heard, uh, Doc? My arm hurts when I do this. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Um, mine actually hurts when I do that. I think I got frozen shoulder or something. But um, but uh, 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 but I, I can resonate when you were talking about. Uh, A person thought they were having a heart attack. I remember several years ago, I I actually reached over to grab this empty box that was sitting next to me in the car and to lift it up and out, and I felt something pop in my back, and I thought I was having a heart attack. Just the pain was so severe, Uh, and then I started to panic a little bit because of that, and uh, it was just something that had popped in my back, and it had nothing to do with my heart, but it was... (laughs) quite an experience.
1: And yeah. so and you go on Dr. Google and you uh, always the top two answers when you do any search for symptoms on Dr. Google is, uh, you know, like that's either you have cancer or you're about to have a heart attack or a stroke. So <laughs> right. So <that laughs> right. Oh, attack, what's going on. yes.
0: And always running to the extreme. <laughs> um, you know, I was really uh, blessed by seeing uh, the, but there was a couple hundred, or maybe five hundred people in at the uh, the Shelby Gardens event.
1: Yeah, you- we had I think that the the first one we had about 170 people that uh, showed up, and then the second one was a little bit less. We had about 120. Um, and uh, I think initially we had like over 200 people signed up, and a lot of people last minute, you know, called back or oh, I got something else that came up, and I can't attend now. Um, a couple of people had COVID and didn't want to come and affect everybody, which is nice. So yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a great turnout. So when we talked to the the team at Salta uh, direct primary care when they had done this uh, with other physicians, they were always they kept on telling me it's like this is you know, we've never had a turnout like this, or you know, we've barely gotten a hundred people to you know come to some other events in the past when we've launched other offices. Um, so they were very excited. I was very excited, and um, so you know, I, I do have uh, um, quite a few patients that have been with me for a very long time, uh, almost ever since I was in practice. Uh, so, you know, I just uh, actually I'm coming up on my what is it, uh, 19 year anniversary of being in practice this September. So, and I've had some patients that have been with me pretty much uh, you know almost a full 19 years. So. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really nice to see. Yeah, well, the, the part I was most blessed about,
0: I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people there. I was surprised by how many people were there and then, then how many people were patients of yours. And uh, there were several that just resonated about how you uh, had changed their life. I actually sat to a woman next to me and she said uh, that you saved her life, Uh and you made a huge difference in her that she had spent all this money elsewhere uh, trying to get herself fixed. And she was able to get uh, connected through you and, and and get her life back together again. And, and she was an older woman, but she was wanting to get back into the field again and, and working again. And so I actually had an opportunity to to coach her in that moment and, and ask her what she would want to do. and, and, She said she wanted to be an assistant to a world's top chef, a celebrity chef of some kind. (laughs) So uh, what an inspiration. And and it it literally uh, just inspired me that she was uh, at that point. And uh, and then she just gave you a lot of credit for uh, making her better. And so I was just I was thinking, what am I what am I? a part of right now <laughs> to, to, uh, to hear all this. And, and so it was such a blessing to hear those things from those folks. And then uh, again, to hear your story of, of how you reached uh, that moment in the room. And, and, uh, can can you share any more about that, about the, maybe some uh, pitfalls along the way that, uh, you know, along your practice, maybe thinking that, I don't know if this is going to work, Uh, Or even now, obviously, you're saying, you know, that you're starting fresh and anew. Um, And we'll get to that in a second. But even through the past, um, have you hit some pitfalls along the way that you thought, man, I don't know how this is going to go?
1: I don't think I ever really had that. I mean, I think that uh, there was a couple of sort of external challenges when I started medicine and started practice. Um, We were just starting, you know, an economic recession um that was the the housing bubble popped and you know people were losing homes and businesses and uh you know there's a big effort. So i mean i think the the practice took a little bit longer than i you know thought originally uh to you know take off because of some of those external challenges which is one of the drivers why we joined with the hospital uh just to kind of offer a little bit more stability and security uh, as we kind of grew the practice um but I don't think I ever had any concerns that it's like oh I'm doing the wrong thing here um, or anything like that, um, and I think that as I, I just described. So what I described to somebody recently is that you know I've come to the conclusion that I've I've always been a direct primary care style of practice where you take more time and you get to you know know the patients more in depthly, which is sort of the the point of the direct primary care is to you know, get a, a more close relationship with the patient. Patient know every aspect of themselves, their family, and not just rush them out the door. And I've always practiced like that. And that's you know something that I, I I love talking to people and getting their histories and and figuring out you know kind of what's going on. I have that little bit of Sherlock Holmes problem solving in me, um, so I like to do that. So, but it's nothing magical that I do. I just spend time with patients. Hmm. They open up and they're you know they're More often than not, they're just grateful that somebody actually listened to them. And that can go a long way to just uh, alleviating a lot of stress and anxiety in somebody's life about, you know, I don't know what's going on with me. I don't feel well. And everybody else that I've seen so far has rushed me out the door. They do one or two tests. Everything's normal. Um, And then, you know, nothing ever changes. And then they come to me and they're like, I mean, even patients who don't have any complex issues, they come to me and I do my... My basic uh, intake and, and exam on them, and you know, and I, I don't know how many times I've heard over the last 19 years, like, what are you doing? Like, well, I'm examining your abdomen. Like, no doctor's ever done that to me before. What are you doing? Why are you tapping here? What are you doing this? What? And you know, like, nobody's ever done that before. I'm like, this is this is medical school 101. This is you know, you learn in the first year how to do a physical exam, and you know, people just a lot of doctors they aren't doing them and they're, they're not hands-on. You, you have to touch and listen to the patient and you have to be close to them. And, uh, you know, and, and I think that's in part, you know, probably societal, you know, you're withdrawn, everybody's pulled into their, their phones and their personal space and, you know, don't get in my personal space and it's harder to open up. Um, but, you know, that's what I've always tried to focus on is just, you know, taking as much time as I need uh, with patients. I um, do uh, not, you know, even if I'm running an hour behind, I, I don't catch up on the next patient and, oh, your appointment can only be five minutes because I spent an extra five to ten minutes with somebody else. Um, and patients will really appreciate that. And you can really, I mean, that, that was, that's the first thing that they tell you in medical school 90% of your diagnosis is through the history. Physical exam is just, you know, filling in a few little gaps and everything.
0: Yes, I've experienced uh, both uh, kind of doctors where I felt like I was a number and then I felt like I was a person uh, that that uh, the doctor cared about to sit down with me and just take a moment and make me feel relaxed and, and not rushed and not that I have to think of all the things that I was struggling with in a second so I could get a quick diagnosis. Uh, but just to be able to sit there and, and create an atmosf- an atmosphere of calm uh, to bring us to a point to uh, where we could have communication and uh, and I think that that 's why the the room at the shelby gardens was was so packed with people um, who have been touched by what you do uh, literally and figuratively um, it It was uh, so powerful to see that. Um, I don't know if I could imagine any other um, any other moment like that where so many patients would come to support, uh, rather than maybe the faculty, you know, of, of the uh, hospital and, and things like that. People who work with you all the time, but actual patients showing up—that's uh, uh, pretty awesome, rock star moment for sure, and uh, it's pretty cool. So, um, you know, I, I think that you mentioned in the. In the session that you were uh, making this shift, and one of the benefits of that is for family, uh, for your family, having more time for that. Uh, right. Let me pause on that just for a second. One of the things that was shared it was the amount of patients that a doctor sees is is incredible. I didn't realize it was that many. Something like two thousand was that right,
1: or or something like that on an average? Yeah. So the uh, I think the national average for primary care physician is uh, 2,400 um, patients that you have on your you know hospitals call them your panels insurance company calls them your patient panel um, but those are patients that typically you've seen at some point in the last two years um, so you've had some sort of contact with them in the office and so you're sort of actively managing them so some people use two years some people use three years um, so within that two to three year time frame that's the number of patients that uh, you have actively uh, been treating and managing. Uh, my panel with Henry Ford was um, over 2,700. I think it was 2,750 or something like that. Um, so I was even, you know, several hundred above the uh, the national average. And uh, for our Macomb network, I had the highest patient panel of, you know, all the doctors in the, the network and my partner had the third highest. So, you know, we, we managed a lot of patients. Um, so, you know, and in part what comes with that is that, you know, there's a lot of things that you have to do, and there are sometimes just small little quick things, but when you have 2,700 patients, that really adds up. Um, and the the challenge over the last six or seven years is that um, with all the uh, insurance changes with uh, um, the, uh, I don't know the full name of it, we'll just call it Obamacare, uh, that changed a lot of uh, criteria for... Um, what your staff can do. So the government kind of stepped in and put all these guidelines on, uh, okay, well, your front desk staff, they can't talk about anything clinical because they're not clinically trained. So they can't even tell patients, uh, you know, the old, oh, well, take an aspirin and call me in the morning kind of a thing. Oh, I got a little bit of a fever today. It's like, well, you know, our staff in the past always used to say to them, it's like, well, if it just started today, you know, it was kind of standard. And we we trusted them to, you know, say, oh, you can take some Tylenol Motrin over the counter and make sure you get a little bit of rest and fluids today. You know, a lot of times you're going to have a fever or things like that in the first couple of days. And, you know, it's not always, you know, good to be seen on the first day of symptoms because, you know, you, you don't have the full picture. Um, if it persists over a few days, then can give us a call. So they're not allowed to do that. They're not allowed to, even our medical assistants, even though they have a little bit more medical training, um, they still don't want them giving out. Um, it's against the sort of their, their credentialing and their training Um, because their level of license and training is not as high as, say, a nurse would be. Um, So they can't even do that. So, um, you know, without hiring a nurse for your practice, which, you know, is more costly and, you know, financially um, difficult for things and, you know, with budgets and stuff like that, uh, we didn't have that resource in our office. So what fell on me and my partners was we basically had to, for all 2,700 of my patients and 2,600 of my partner's patients, um, you know, the, the doctors and our, our physician assistant, we had to do hundred percent of every single message that came through. We had to answer or touch or um, you know, send back a message in, in some way that was very limited and, li- and little, uh, that the uh, staff could do on their own. Wow. Nurses, other clinics who do have nurses and nurses, then they're, they're, licensing and training, um, in that, uh, healthcare mandates, um, uh, they have more license to do things. So. Um, they can answer messages. They can put in orders for, oh, patient calls up, I need my mammogram. All oh, they just put in an order in the computer, send it off, and then the doctor just has to co-sign it later. Like but, you know, I'm go, go, go from 7 in the morning to 4 at night. Um, I, you know, sometimes I run over and I have like a five-minute lunch, so, um, so just managing all that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time to do that is after work, and so... I would spend an extra hour at least um, at the office answering messages and doing prescriptions as much as I could. I would come home, and have dinner, and you know, um, for a lot of times in the last few years, um, and, you know, as soon as the kids went to bed, you know, my younger kids went to bed, you know, eight nine o'clock, um, you know, I'd be on the computer till midnight sometimes, and just answering more messages, reviewing lab lab work, and um, you know, and, and doing a lot of that. Um, and uh, it was, you know, the, uh, the common term in healthcare these days is burnout. And, uh, you know, I'm very resilient. I'm very laid back. You know, a lot of my, you know, colleagues and stuff like that, they, you know, a lot of the stuff didn't bother me. But even, you know, when I get to the point where I'm feeling like I can't take it anymore, it's got to be bad. So, <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's kind of where we were at. And, you know, Iron Ford Health System is a great health system. They do, you know, wonderful things. Um, but you know, as with most healthcare systems, you know, they tend to this is just the, the nature of a financial organization like that and what they do, they focus on surgeries and inpatient and cancer therapies and they try to be the best of the best because they have so many other competitors. Um, you know, I, I felt like, you know, the even though we feed everything as primary care, you know, it kind of felt like you're, you know, at the bottom of the barrel and, you know, nobody's, uh, you know, uh, focusing on that aspect of things. And, you know, uh, after years of conversation, and, you know, I, I just felt like it needed to have a change and, and, uh, the opportunity here presented itself and I reached out and, uh, it was very favorable. So it's a, it kind of,
0: it kind of conflicted with um, your uh, purpose, what you wanted to do and how you wanted to spend time with with your patients and uh, make those moments as personable as possible. Um, and, and so I think uh, you shared that that was one of the reasons why you decided to shift over into this new venture and uh, so that you would have that time. And so we're talking uh, your what was it twenty four hundred you had or did you say are 2700
1: well yeah the cap for our group is 800 you know, less than a third of what i've uh, been doing so i mean, just thinking about that is like you know you feel like a little bit of weight oh i can breathe
0: yeah the advantage for that then ties back to my earlier question is, is about family uh being one of the reasons why you decided to go this new direction with, with salta uh, so why don't you tell us a little more about your family uh how long you been married and, and how many kids you have and things. that? Like yeah,
1: so my wife and I met in high school, we started dating then. So, um, uh, we got married in 1994. So, um, this is going to be, uh, this December will be, uh, uh, 28 years of marriage. Um, about 36 years of being together and, you know, dating before we got married. Um, so yeah, we've been together a long time and, uh, we have four kids. We have, um, Uh, two older daughters that uh, uh, my oldest is age 23 just graduated from uh, college Uh, my next uh, daughter is 22 and still in college Um, and then uh, my wife and I um, waited 12 years to have the rest of our family and we took a a break thought we were done and then you know God called us to trust in him and he gave us uh, two more children so we have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old Wow um, you know, a daughter and a son. So, um, and, you know, I, I was involved a lot in, uh, before the younger kids were, were born, uh, with doing a lot of administration and, you know, even that was a lot of meetings, meeting, meetings, early morning meetings, late night meetings, driving downtown to Henry Ford and, you know, uh, doing all this, uh, you know, back and forth. And so I kind of withdrew from all that and just turned strictly to clinical practice, which, um, you know probably double-edged sword there. I had not as much drive time to and doing all these meetings, uh, but that really allowed me to focus on the practice and it grew even more. So then I added even more patients over you know those uh, you know six or seven years as well. You know having those young kids are starting to get into so many different activities and things like that and we want to be able to do with a family. And I really just saw that the current practice style and the uh, you know, how much work I was putting into you know things you know I needed to put in after hours and, and not even with all that extra time being caught up ever. Um, I, I really wanted to focus on something different so I could have more time physically present. Um, I think I read a study a couple of years ago that most uh, active doctors, you know, the actual amount of physical face-to-face time that they spend with their children every day is about 22 minutes. And that just was. That was sad and <laughs> eye opener, right? That's abysmal. That was horrible, and uh, you know, and, you know, you add it up, and yeah, a lot of times I, I start early. I don't even see them before I go to work. They're still sleeping. I come home, you know, yeah, um, and then a couple of hours at most, and but it's not always, you know, I'm doing other things within the yard and the house and you know different things like that, and you know, it's very. Um, You know, the time with the kids was was shrinking. And I I didn't like that at all. So definitely wanted to make uh, a change to to have that be a a big focus. That's wonderful.
0: I I, You know, I remember my dad, he he worked as a a lab technician in Crittenden Hospital. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, he was also a a pastor. You know, he worked uh, second shift. So while we were at school, he was at home doing pastoral duties. And then he left for the second shift to work when we got home from school. And then uh, we were in bed by the time he got home. And so the only time we got to see him was Wednesday night for church and and Sunday for church, really. Um, Unless we did vacations and things. So um, he was committed to both calls Mm -hmm. um, of the medical field and uh, the call of God on his life. And so uh, it was quite an an experience as kids, we appreciated the, the face-to-face time, as you said, uh, with our dad and it uh, you know that made those moments even that much more special because they were far and few between. Um, so you mentioned your daughters uh, in college and in one graduating, I think you said. Uh, are mm-hmm. they going to the medical field by any chance?
1: Uh, no, Nobody's uh, at this point has decided to do that my oldest daughter thought she wanted to for a minute. Uh, She even spent some time in her senior year in high school shadowing me at the office. And um, I think she was very interested. And then when she actually got to college and all that, she just, yeah, she had this epiphany of, oh, my gosh, I'm going to spend all my 20s in school. Like, I don't want to do that. So, yeah, so she switched her her focus. And uh, she just graduated from the School of Education from Michigan State University. Going to be teaching high school level. And she just got a job at Clarkston High School. Awesome. Teaching uh, chemistry and ecology, she's very excited. So, well, that's sort of in the field, right? Yeah, chemistry, right? <laughs> so, yeah. She, she has, you know, my, you know, kind of like love for the sciences and thing, uh, stuff like that as well. Uh, and then my uh, my next daughter, she's um, she's also kind of in, you know, has you know leaning towards medical. She's not going to be a doctor. She didn't want to uh, kind of do that. Um, you know, as far as the, the again the time and the training and and things like that, but uh, she's going to be uh, starting a, a dietitian program um, this fall and, uh, at Madonna University. So
0: awesome! She's
1: very, she's, she's very excited about about that, and she's been very focused on health and nutrition over the last few years and and psych. And uh, yeah, I think she's found her calling, and she's been very excited about it.
0: That's great. Um, I want to uh. uh... In just a moment, I want to be talking about Salta and the grand opening that's taking place here and, 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 and plug that. Uh, but before we do it, I'm, I'm very passionate about marriage. Um, you know, I do marriage conferences and, and things like that, too. And in um, speaking to the man and, and about how to be the leader of the house and, and, and all of that uh, from this aspect of leading well. Um, and, uh, and, uh, my wife and I will be married 31 years this August. Uh, so, uh, but I'm very excited for you and congratulations to 28 years. I think you said, um, uh, but I wanted to ask you, where did you meet your wife?
1: Um, in geometry class in uh, high school. So, uh, yeah, she was, uh, she grew up in Shelby Township and her parents moved to, I grew up in Rochester, so I went to the high school, Adams High School there. Um, her family moved from Shelby Township to Rochester um, right at the beginning of high school. So I guess I was 10th grade back then, um, halfway through the year so. Um, so she used to sit right in front of me in geometry class. So it's kind of like one of those old stories about, you know, it's like, oh, the little boy who used to dip the pigtails into the ink, uh, you know. So I used to tease her a lot and uh, and she used to, you know, get frustrated with me and but in a in a playful kind of way. Sure. And then, uh, yeah, after the next year, we kind of started dating and uh, we've been together ever since.
0: That's awesome. Uh, You know, a lot of things are popping in my mind right now. So I had the same similar scenario. Um, uh, My I met my wife actually at church, Uh, uh, but uh, we were like 10 years old at the time. And um, and we started, we were boyfriend and girlfriend at age 12. Uh, okay. so, <laughs> so it goes way back. But um, my dad um, pastored the church on Harding Road there, a little, little church there. And us kids went to McGregor um, Elementary, okay. right behind the building there. I, I'm, I'm speaking about this because it's in Rochester. Okay. And, and uh, so there's some history there. Of course, Crittenden Hospital is in Rochester as well. Right um yeah yeah and and so um uh anyway that's where my wife and i met and uh and i was smitten and uh the rest is history pretty much uh, and so that's that's a wonderful thing uh what you're talking about yeah my wife and i we used to call each other names and, <laughs> and stuff as kids you know growing up and uh and it was just uh, it was a lot of fun. She was uh, best, has been best friends with my uh, two younger sisters, and and so that made it a little easier for me. So she's always been a part of the family and and uh, such a blessing. So, but it, it's very very cool what's going on uh, with you and and uh, a lot of excitement in the shift and and uh, in going to Salta. Uh, and, and shifting into the direct uh, primary care, and uh, so why don't you give us a, 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 an overview of what's about to happen uh, come August first?
1: Sure. So um, probably should start with just uh, just a little bit of background. So you know, because a lot of people you know still you know don't know what direct primary care is, and they haven't yeah. heard of it before. Um, so just an overview of what that is, and, and salt on how long they've been around. So. So, Dr. John Blanchard started uh, the SALTA Group and direct primary care uh, 20 years ago. Uh, probably, I think maybe even 21 years ago. And he and his partners were kind of frustrated with, you know, how healthcare modeling was at that point, with you know a lot of dictates and mandates from the insurance companies. Well, you know, the only way that you can, you know, keep your doors open, you have to see more and more patients, and reimbursements were getting less and less over years. Um, and uh and I've I've seen that experience that with you know with my father and uh in his practice, he's been a physician for fifty one years. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely it's you know huge changes in that time frame since nineteen seventy to now, um, where you know, more and more restrictions on on what you can do. Um, you know, and, and, and I've always been, you know, get everything done when the patient's in. But the insurance doesn't like that so you know, if, you, if you do more than one you know so if you do an office visit you talk about this you talk about the blood pressure and then oh we have a skin tag we got to take that off and then it's like oh and there's something else we need to talk about you know those are technically three separate uh issues yeah uh, three separate things and you know you would have to bring them back i mean as a physician if you wanted to actually get paid for each one of those fully you would have to bring them back three times so um so direct primary care um, and what Dr. Blanchard and his partners, you know, they asked the patients, what do you want? And they said, well, we want a closer relationship with our doctor. We want appointments that, you know, start on time and end on time. Uh, we want some more flexibility when we need to get in. We need to be seen now. We don't we don't want to wait two, three weeks uh, to get in. And we, we want to, you know, when we call the office, we want to be able to talk to our doctor. Um so so that's, you know, what they did. They compiled all these, uh, you know, requests that patients were asking for that they thought would make you know, a great practice, and then they implemented them, and they did that in the model of direct primary care. So to do that, um, what direct primary care does is it charges a monthly membership fee, and uh, it's a flat rate. It, uh, it does not adjust your change, and that covers everything that you have done in the office, and then... The insurance companies are completely out of the picture. Uh, they don't get billed, so when patients come into the office, everything is covered. So if they come in five times a month or you know five times a year, um, the price is the same. Nothing ever adjusts, and everything that we do in the office is covered by that. So if you do an EKG, a urine test, um, you know, a breathing test, uh, surgical procedures, um, a lot of those uh, you know extra things in the office become um, extra things. Um, those typically are applied to patients' deductibles and they have to pay out of pocket for those, you know, a lot of times anyways. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the direct primary care overall and a lot of patients, mm-hmm. they can end up saving, um, money, even though they're being charged on top of their insurance. They can typically change their plans to, um, to have just more catastrophic coverage and, uh, and they can end up saving a lot of money on their health care, but then they have the ability to, you know, be, be seen pretty much on demand. So, so direct primary care also likes to focus on, you know, focusing on the patients. How do you need to be seen? And a lot of times, you know, now, especially with, the, you know, the pandemic really pushed and drove a lot of the um, new technologies that came out as far as video visits and telephone visits, um, you know, and, and things like that. So, you know, with self, the direct primary care, you can be seen in person, you can be seen by video visit, we can do a telephone call. And, uh, and there's are a lot of restrictions on those with the insurance companies. So insurance companies never, ever pay for a phone call. They had a little bit through um, the, uh, the pandemic, but those are starting to dry up and they're kind of reversing the decision as the pandemic is, you know, weighing down now. Um, So, you know, a lot of physicians, they just don't do a lot of phone call visits because they don't get paid for it. So, and that's, you know, fine that they're not getting paid for and they have other things to focus on. So, so with the direct primary care model, all that opens up and you have much more flexibility to treat patients um, as they need to be seen and treated. Um, and we always keep 50% of the uh, appointments open for the day, for those uh, same day and, and urgent. Um, appointments are longer, so the minimum appointment is 30 minutes, and that's for your follow-ups and rechecks and a little more simple things, physicals and new patients and And, and even if you need it, if the, you know, doctor feels like you need it, they're hour long appointments. So, and that's what the direct primary care really, you know, offers, uh, to the patient. So it's, it's much more true patient centered care. So there's been a huge push in, um, Blue Cross has been, Blue Cross Blue Shield in Michigan has really been sort of leading the charge of this, creating, um, a structure called patient centered medical home. You know, that you know, tries to drive some of these things. Longer appointments, keeping same day spots open, um, and doing all these things that you know are, are patient focused, but still the reimbursement that healthcare offers is still uh volume-based um, reimbursement. So so a lot of times it's you know, these great ideas and things of creating a more of a patient-centered uh, experience, uh they end up falling apart because um, you're still running around trying to take care of thousands of patients, and you don't have time to implement these in the way that they're um, truly meant to be. And direct primary care really does allow you to do that. So, you know, Dr. Blanchard always says, like, you know, it allows physicians to practice like they were trained and as they should.
0: So the, the SALTA uh, structure is uh, kind of a one-stop shop for the uh, patient to come in. And, and just be uh, kind of cared for in, in various places uh, of, of medicine. Would you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're offered that opportunity because when you know you have access to your physician, one of the things is that you know you can always guarantee to either be seen immediately or by the next day, um, even after hours. All the patient calls are directed to the physician if it's an emergency. So patients will um, get transferred to my cell phone personally after hours if it's an emergency. So there's no answering service that you have to take a message and try to get a hold of the physician. There's no other you know, doctor that's on call for you. There's no other um, you know, group in there. So, um, so that does allow a sense of comfort for the patients that I don't need to go to the urgent care. I don't need to go to the emergency room. Because um, I know my doctor knows me the best, and that's where my care should be, Pri- primary care. It's your primary source of care. It should be. I mean, a lot of patients, they, they do. They they call the office and, oh, I need to see Dr. Cordelio Okay, three weeks, two months, you know, for some things, you know, longer appointments, those 40-minute physicals, sometimes those are two months out that they're scheduled. Um, so access is definitely a, a challenge for any uh, primary care office that, you know, has a full panel of patients. Um, and, and that's why all these offices then hire nurse practitioners and physician assistants, um, you know, and they end up taking care of all the urgent stuff. And uh, and then the doctors do more of the, you know, more complex, you know, care. And a lot of times that's how, you know, the mid-level provi- providers like uh, PAs, physician assistants and uh nurse practitioners, you know, their function, they see more of the acute issues in the office, even though they're fully able to see the complex issues. And, and our PA at our office definitely did that um, with diabetes and heart disease and, and all the more complex uh, diseases. Um, but, you know, when you offer that ability to know that you're going to get in, know that you're going to talk to your doctor, that alleviates a lot of stress and anxieties, and it actually ends up saving a lot of money in the long run, for not utilizing those expensive types of care, like emergency rooms. You're, you're not getting out of the emergency room without racking up at least a $3,000 bill. And that's even if you just kind of go in and come out.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's right. And, you know, my, my wife worked, uh, you know, typing in and, and setting appointments in, in a doctor's office where there was a, a, you know, group of doctors, and it was just chaotic. She, she couldn't stand the just this dog eat dog scenario back in there. And then, and then the restraints that was uh, on her uh, and the rest of them to try to meet this quota and, and uh, telling the, the patients, well, you're gonna have to wait for a month or, or three months in order to see the doctor. And when I have a need right now, how can I wait three months to see a doctor? And, and it was almost like, you know, they're playing the lottery back there, you know, making appointments for people. And my wife just couldn't, you know, handle the environment because it was so uh, it was so raw. And uh, so I think in in what's happening with Salta and this this whole new setup is that, uh, not only can people call to set up an appointment, but they can call you specifically and say, Hey, doc, you know, my arm hurts when I do this, you know, and, and you're able to uh, meet them uh, right where they're at. And that was awesome. And I, I appreciate what you said. You said, you said something like, uh, uh, you know, uh, give me a little grace because I have a family too, you know, like, like, don't call me if you don't need to, you know.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I had a lot of patients that were uh, very concerned about that. It's like, they're going to have access to your cell phone. It's like, you're going to be like so busy all the time. I'm like, no, patients are very respectful of that. And it's like, I'm on call now. Uh, Patients can always reach me after hours. They call the office phone number as the answering service and they have the option to, you know, get connected to me. So myself and one of my partners is is always on call and, uh, you know, patients are very respectful. You know, they, they, they feel bad bothering you and you know even though i tell them it's like it you know a lot of times you know weekends coming up i'm on call you know call me if you need something if you're getting worse or whatever and and a lot of times even with that they they don't want to they're very respectful so and uh yeah i was joking i don't know which meeting were you at the first one or the second i I think i was at the first one the first one oh yeah so i was like i was joking with some of the, the patients there that uh like if, if things get out of hand, uh, we know how to deal with that. It's like I've I've, I've done extensive training over the years and uh, you know many different martial arts and have black belt and uh, mm-hmm. and and some I said you know it's like and my one medical assistant her uh, her son when she found out that I did you know martial arts she's like oh well, he's a doctor and he does all this stuff it's like how does he do all that stuff and then she said her son nickname nicknamed me Doctor Cardedilio. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I said, yeah, you're going to get Dr. Cardedlio if you call me at 1 o'clock in the morning for a hangman. Yeah. Uh, Sleep. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's like patients don't abuse that. And uh, and I know many other physicians who do that regularly. They give out their cell phone to the patients. Um, they typically have smaller panels and they're involved in administration as well. But, um, yeah, I know several doctors who you know, they just give out their cell phone to any and any patient that, you know, uh, they feel is needed and you know you're never inundated so
0: that's wonderful and it's just one other uh benefit to being plugged into what you're doing especially because you're actually going to have time uh to connect with them on, on a more personal basis
1: i always found that you get less calls the more time you spend with the patient because when you can answer all those questions and give them more information about what to expect With what they're going through, then they don't tend to panic or freak out about, like, oh, now I was in there yesterday, but now I have this symptom. Well, if you can sort of guide them and tell them to expect that you might get these symptoms in the next couple of days, you know, before you start getting better, then, you know, that actually reduces a lot of, you know, calls and and the urgency of things. So the more time you have to spend with patients, um, the less phone calls you're going to get after hours. Yeah, and and the
0: fact that uh, you you know who Susie is, right? You you've got to spend time with Susie, so when she calls you, you already uh, remember a lot of her background, and you're able to say, "Oh yeah, no problem. Just do this, do that," and and you know from a personal uh, firsthand experience, and uh, I, I think that that's a powerful thing for uh, this new uh, well. You said it's been around for about 20 years, I think, now with, with direct primary care. Back, so
1: yeah. primary now, a lot of people know it's a, it's a little bit different. It's a different model, but concierge medicine, a lot of people have heard about that where, you know, patients will pay a very high premium for, you know, uh, exclusive care from a doctor. Um, and that's, you know, and that's not what direct primary care is, but a lot of people think that they're the same thing. Uh, but they're very different, um, and direct primary care, especially the Salta, you know, they want to, they love everybody to have a direct primary care physician as their physician. So they they try to make it uh, within you know anybody and everybody's means to 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 do that with their monthly premiums, and it's very affordable. Yeah, I'm hoping that the the
0: medical insurance industry will see this as as a benefit to the the Patient, rather than just to them, uh, making money, and and that they see this as an opportunity for that, so that those who, uh, even though the the uh, the cost for uh, have you know going to south the primary direct primary care is very very inexpensive, um, but for the insurance company even to be a benefit there to help uh, supplement the, that that uh, amount. Uh, which, again, is super affordable. And I, I was surprised by all that was offered. And, and you can even get an adjustment if you need one. Right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and so tell us really quick
1: about the, the grand opening and in, in your, your start uh, for August 1st. <clears throat> so, yeah, things are well underway. The office uh, space is uh, uh, we're going to be subleasing from one of the other doctors in the uh, building that we're going uh, actually back into. Our, my office used to be there for 11 years at the Shelby Medical Mall at uh, 23 and Chainer. Um So we're going back in there. Everything's kind of all set up. The staff has been working diligently. Um, so next week uh, I'll be at the office, but not seeing patients and getting the final things all fine tuned and getting our workflows worked out. And then uh, August 1st, we already have patients on the schedule and the patients have been, that have signed up have already been calling and, and uh, we've been reaching out to them um, and that's, again, part of the personal SELTA experience. Um, we don't wait for you to call, we call you. So we call you and make sure that you know, you're know you getting your follow-ups that you need. And, and uh, so we're definitely more active in, in making sure that patients are uh, not falling through the cracks with things and, uh, uh, and getting, uh, getting in in timely uh, fashion for their, their rechecks and, and their follow-ups. So yep, we already have patients on the schedule, ready to go. Um, wow, August first, Monday. Uh, we're ready, ready to hit the ground running.
0: That's that's awesome. And and you said you you call them, and and some may think, well, you call them because you're going to make more money, uh, but it's the same amount.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, if they if they come in five times in a month. It's the same amount. So.
0: That's that's wonderful. Uh, I think that's that's powerful. And I I I was just blown away by the 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 whole concept. Of Salta and in how um, you know people can be seen by their doctor, and you're creating an environment. Um, there, there's a book out called um, "Raving Fans." I don't know if you've had a chance to read it, but it's it's basically a, about customer service and, and and all of that. But it, it's 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 um, making a difference in their lives and making right. them feel important. Uh, sometimes even in in any industry, because a person walks through the door, we think that they belong to us now. Right. But we've got to continue to nurture that relationship, and uh, and by reaching out to them and saying, "Hey, how are you doing today? You know, how are you feeling? You know, there's a, there's a test that you could probably use, and it's not going to cost you anymore. But we want you to come in because we we care about you, and and so that's pretty powerful about the Salta model. Um, and the direct primary care. And, and so uh, how many spaces do you know uh, are available still uh, for your particular office? Because, uh, by the way, there is
1: several CELTA
0: offices. Is that correct?
1: Um, correct. So uh, most of the offices are in uh, Oakland County. They have uh, Troy, Pontiac, Auburn Hills, Clarkston, and then they have uh, an affiliation. Uh, they have a practice in uh, Ann Arbor with the University of Michigan. Uh, victor's care there uh that they manage and uh and run as well so um so yeah this, this is their first uh you know kind of extension out into the macomb area um and shelby township um, and you know it's tries to work with individuals directly they they get a lot of people who sign up with them that don't have health care insurance because their employers don't offer it they have like you know they fall under the mandates for Meaning to provide insurance for their employers, uh, hairdressers and salon workers, restaurant workers, waitresses, waiters, and, and things like that. Um, and they can get a lot of healthcare for you know the monthly fee that uh, that the charges. Um, so that really is a good supplement to things. But then they also try to work with a lot of you know employers, and you know they have a lot of great data and research that shows that you know they save the healthcare companies a lot of money over 20 to 25 percent of healthcare care cost reduction and in working with the direct primary care model versus the traditional insurance payment reimbursed fee for schedule uh fee for service uh, type model so you know they they try to you know work with a lot of employers and then their employer pays for the monthly fee and so and it's just part of their benefit and so um so you know it's it's, it's very beneficial um to be able to offer that to patients and it's becoming more and more popular. There's other, other groups. Self is not the only direct primary care group in Michigan or in Southeast Michigan. Um, it's, it's I think, going to change healthcare quite, uh, quite a bit over the next 10, 15 years.
0: Well, awesome. And and th- th- there's still openings for your particular
1: office in Shelby Township? Oh yeah. That's, yeah, that was the original question, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we still have some openings, but I mean, every day I have. a, those who send me messages like, oh, "Okay, ten more people signed up today, twenty more people this week," and so, um, and uh, so yeah, we're well on our way to the 800. And uh, so yeah, I would, uh, you know, some people like to say, "Oh, wait and see," and it's like, well, you never know how much you know things are gonna like take off, uh, you know. So I, you know, I think once people realize, like, "Oh, Dr. Carlile is not there anymore," it's like, "Oh, I need to," you know, finally. Only sign up like I said I was going to, so you know, you never know when that's going to you know, hit, but we have you know a lot of interest and a lot of people are signing up on a daily basis, so it's very exciting to see that. So how can people sign up? So they can just go to the uh, uh, website is the easiest place. So all the registration for practices are done through the website. Uh, it's all online. Um, you can just go to Salta's uh, website, which is www.saltadirect.com. And SALTA is S-A-L-T-A, direct.com. And uh, currently on their main page, there's a link for my practice. And then there's links for the other practices um, that uh, might have space and availability as well. Um, And then there's links to go to the direct pages and get more information on the individual practices for Shelby Clarkson and uh, Troy and Auburn Hills um, as well. So... But that's the easiest way to do is uh, just go to www.saltadirect.com. And it's very simple and easy. It's a one-page registration, and you link some kind of credit or debit card uh, to there, and you're all set to go. You can pick your start date, August 1st, September 1st. And, um, you know, whenever you – I do have some patients who are like, well, I got to kind of – some other things I need to do and, but I'm definitely coming with you and they're, you know, they pick their start date of September 1st. So, but uh, yeah, that keeps your spot in the practice. So
0: That's great. That's great. And, and uh, I I think a lot of people are going to find a benefit in this. Um, I had never heard really of direct primary care. I mean, I I think I'm one of the, millions of people who don't realize that that even exists. Um, And uh, you know, the, the, Traditional form of medicine that's available to us, uh, or or medical care that is 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 been like what we've been used to, and now the direct primary care is available, and uh, and I think it's a, it's a great model uh, for for people to feel both uh, as a, as a person, and uh, instead of a number, and and of course to get the care that they need. So th- this, is, this is incredible. Uh, Salta offers uh, a lot of things that people would go to the hospital or even uh, their primary doctor for care for, uh, but at a flat rate. Uh, and and uh, I think that sums it up, would you say?
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, I, I encourage everybody to go and check out saltadirect.com. Start being seen, actually seen by your doctor and, uh, and cared for. And uh, so I hope this has been a blessing to all of you watching. And again, doctor, thank you for being a part of this. And uh, thanks for being a part of Life, Love, and Leadership.